Hello everyone, and this is episode 16 of season 3 of Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host, Jess Robinson. Today, we're jumping into the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, and it's just this wonderful story that, you know, it's a wonderful book, and it's not just, you know, a fictional, it's not a fictional story, it's, you know, a real life story you know, that happened in history. And, you know, Joshua, you know, his his Hebrew name is equivalent to the name of Jesus because it's actually Yeshua is his name is how you would say it in, in the Hebrew context. And so this book is so neat. You know, this is, they are going into the promised land Moses had just died and they're going into the promised land and it starts off, you know, the Lord, you know, commanding Joshua. So, you know, what I kind of took that as is that, yes, the Lord had commanded Moses to anoint Joshua, but he also confirmed with Joshua the same command. That he was to go and lead the people into the land of Canaan, essentially. And that's how it is. When you are called by the Lord, there will be the calling and there will also be confirmation. And it will also align with his word. And that's just how it is. And, you know, in in the callings that I've been is, you know, the Lord will send somebody like I will feel it in my spirit that something you know is going to be happening and the Lord confirms it through through people and I'm I'm lucky to be in such a spirit-filled church where we you know stress the importance of exercising the the gifts of the spirit and not quenching the Holy Spirit And because that's a huge part of how you get confirmation is allowing people to exercise in the gift of gifts of the spirit of the Holy Spirit. And you can't be quenching that. And so, you know, Joshua was getting this confirmation. And I think in that time, you know, we don't know what his feeling was, but, you know, the Lord's just telling him to be strong and courageous and, you know, I think about in that time, you know, he's filling these shoes in of Moses and he's going into this unknown. And, you know, it's some people don't might not be able to relate to this, but I can relate to it where, you know, you, you get put in a position and you're essentially starting, you know, not knowing what's what's before you, you know, you just don't know how the how it's going to be planned. You want it all planned out. You know, I know like most people, they want, you know, this journey to be all planned out. But it's not the case. You know, this journey, especially when you get put into new positions, um, especially ministry wise, you know, and you're having to build, you know, like a ministry back up. There's so many unknowns and, and I can relate to that. And I know like 
some of my friends can relate to that, that there's these unknowns and you don't know what's going to happen. You really, you know, yeah, you've had some training, but you don't have the full grasp and that's, it gets a little bit daunting, but the Lord, he comes in and he assures, you know, Joshua to be strong and courageous and it, and he he gives him this in, a promise that he's going to lead these people to inherit the land that he swore to their forefathers and he tells them to be tells him to be strong and very courageous you know and courageous doesn't mean that you you know you that you don't lack fear you know like i'm going to say you know with with the book of esther when esther had to go before you know her to into the presence of her husband and you know if you haven't read that story it's going to be this neat beautiful story but essentially she couldn't even go see her husband freely because of the the rules and and you know the the Medes and and Persian law you know to kind of sum it up that she couldn't just go freely go in there she had to be summoned by him and the only way that she could, if she went in there, she was to die unless he extended the golden scepter to her and, and grant her clemency to come in. And, you know, think of that, that, you know, she had to go in there because her people are about to die and she, but she's not summoned. So you know, but she knows she has to go in there. <laughs> Don't tell me there, she wasn't even the slightest bit of nervousness in there because, you know, being cur- courageous doesn't mean that you, you didn't lack fear. You know, I see cartoons and their whole definition of courage when I was growing up was you're not supposed to feel fear. And, you know, sometimes you're going to be some of your courageous acts are going to be, you know, you are going to be shaking and unsure and a little bit of fear, you know? And so, you know, he tells them to be very courageous and he, he reminds him to be careful to obey all the law, you know, that, that Moses gave to him do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. And we'll see, you know, we saw that in, in the book of Proverbs, you know, trust in it, in the Lord in all his ways, you know, and that he makes your paths straight. And that's, that's true. You know, when we're not going to the left or the right of what God says in his word and, and what he's promised to us, he's going to make our path straight. Even when it doesn't, the way doesn't seem clear, you know, and he says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And, you know, it's because you know, this is a concept that we really need to grasp on that this just verifies how important it is to 
to be in the word and be prayerful, you know, and, and some people do take this serious and they meditate on this word day and night. Um, some, you know, and I know that, you know, I just say, you know, if you're, if you're good enough or well, not good enough, but if you get into this word every day, it, it doesn't have to be day and night, but you're into it and you're hungering for it. You're not letting that word depart from your mouth. And, and it's so, it just stresses the importance, you know, it, it says you'll be prosperous and successful. Well, you know, it's because you understand what, what is wisdom from this word, you know, how we're supposed to live our lives, how we're supposed to handle our finances, you know, who we're supposed to turn to in times of trouble, how to pray, you know, how, how to be a wife and godly wife, how to be a godly husband. You know, this is, you know, when you're in this word, you're gaining wisdom to, to hand, you know, you know, to be successful in this life, you know, and it's not, you know, in, in essence, you know, material possession and, and prosperity, but it's, it's spiritual prosperity and, and success, you know, and his word is authoritative in our lives. You know, as I was in my prayer time today, this verse that, you know, hadn't really been in my mind just showed up and it was like, okay, this is God wanting me to focus on, you know, he's talking to me through this verse. And, you know, I had such a wonderful prayer time this morning because it was like, his word is alive in us and it comes alive even when you don't understand. And I know, you know, for my husband right now, because we read the Bible together, we're in the prophets and we're in Isaiah. And I can see that he's a little confused. What is going on? What is he talking about? And I was the same way, you know, especially when I was a brand new believer, I was like, what is this prophet talking about? I am confused. And yes, the prophets can be very confusing, but, and you know, and I was having a, a message conversation with somebody as well. And they were so, and it's not just them there, you know, there is statistics out there that people, uh, believers have a hard time reading like the book of Daniel, the, and, and the book of revelation because of all these end time prophecies there's just so much to it and, and people actually get intimidated. And I like to say to people, that's the enemy that puts intimidation. Yes, it can seem like you're sitting there going, I don't get it when you first read it, but don't just stop, you know, because you don't get it. You keep going and you keep going and getting in there and reading it. And that's why I stress to brand new believers, just keep reading, even if you don't understand what's going on, you know, keep reading and keep searching it out what what's going on, you know, in, in this context, because the enemy wants us to not be in this word. That's his biggest goal is you know, he's not intimidated by people who go to church. He's not intimidated in that way. He's intimidated when people become more Christ-like 
And that's because you're getting into your word in your own home. You know, it's not just this whole Sunday. I'm just getting my word on Sunday. It's you're getting into this Bible and you're getting, you know, understanding. And, and it can be hard. And it, it took me several years to finally, and I don't get all the prophets. I don't get all of end times, you know, it's not my strong suit, you know, but it's, it's getting better because I don't just put it off and say, I don't understand it. And I'm going to not look into it. You know, I keep reading and every time the Lord just gives a little bit more, a little bit more understanding. And as I start taking ministry classes and, you know, you don't have to take ministry classes if you don't want to, but, you know, if there's a Bible study on, on Bible prophecy or even on the prophets and you're like, I want to understand this better, then go for it. You know, that's why they're theirs is so you can learn from somebody who actually gets it. And then you go, okay, now I get it, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. So this is like this huge, huge takeaway I got from out of these four chapters is that we read is because it's so important that we continue to be in this word. You know, this is what this whole podcast is about is getting into the word and letting the word change our lives, you know, living a life that is becoming more Christ-like and as a testimony that Christ is not in the tomb anymore. And so essentially what ends up is everything is starting to unfold. They're going into this promised land. And chapter two is just another great, great part of Joshua is he sends these spies you know, and we all know last time when they sent spies, what happened, but he sends two spies. He doesn't send out all these other spies. He sends two and they come across this woman named Rahab and she's a prostitute. And it's just so amazing with, with this, the story of, um, what happens to her. She's a gent, you know, a Gentile and she's a prostitute. She had all these disqualifications, but she takes in these spies and she protects them as she seeks to, for, for salvation. She seeks after it. And these men, you know, and it's actually interesting because, you know, in the old, before we get to this, you know, and with Moses and the spies, they came back and there was such a bad report among them, even though they saw good things. Rahab speaks to them. It was so interesting, you know, because when you look in the, in, in the account where the other spies with the bad report, they're like, there's all these giants and they're bigger than us. We're going to die. And this woman says to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. 
When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is in heaven above and on the earth below. So these people, even though, you know, they were afraid or, you know, the Israelites were afraid of them. It was actually, you know, these giants that were afraid of them, you know, because of what the, they had heard what the Lord had done. And that's a lesson that we can take that sometimes the things that we worry about and we fear about is actually the enemy because he's scared of what the Lord's going to do. He knows what the Lord's doing in our lives. And, and so some of these things that may terrify you, I want you to think about and, and magnify God in your life because you, you don't know what's, you know, before you, you know, there's this breakthrough coming through and it's the enemy putting that fear in you and making it into a giant. And, and that's why it's so important to be in the word is when these times come, you know, the Lord is going to put the word, you know, his promises, his words upon you as you're reading this. And so, and going through these, these times and we see that she, you know, makes this, you know, seeks for, for salvation she had all these disqualifications, you know, disqualifications, but she seeks, you know, salvation. And I, I just want to say, you know, her faith and what she did, you know, she abandoned her old life. And because of that, and I don't, you know, we don't know what will happen to Rahab. Like, we'll see what happens to her once they take over, you know, this first city, but what happens is we don't hear what happens to Rahab after that, that, you know, she does survive. That she joins the Israelites. She's, her life is spared. But what we do know is she eventually becomes an ancestor to the Messiah, as we see in, in the genealogy of Matthew, that in the book of Matthew You know, her heart was she was going to, you know, leave her old life. And that's the way with us is when we leave our old sinful life, we become children of God, you know, and we're not in that old life anymore. And we can't take our old life with us. So I had to say something that she took her old li- or her old life was left behind once the city was destroyed. And and there's this thing about a scarlet cord and it parallels with the Passover lamb um to protect them and it's the same concept that the scarlet cord was to be put on the window so that the Israelites would know, do not touch this family. That they were protected. And so that's, you know, with the scarlet cord. And there's actually um, a book 
that I have. I have a pile of books that I still have to read. I obtain more and more books than I get completed. And so this in my pile books, there's actually a book called um, Scarlet Threads. It is by Perry Stone and I still have to read it. It's coming up there. It's it's, you know, I think it's after this other book that I'm, you know, currently finishing up. But it goes based on this and with Rahab. And so I'm excited to read that and, you know, coming up. So that the spies go back and they they pretty much just say, you know, to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands and all the people are melting in fear because of us. They bring back a good report and they move forward. And this is another thing that the Lord, you know, pointed out was the, the Lord pointed out was the, the waters parting of the Jordan. You know, he divided the waters just as he divided the Red Sea. When you think about the people that were there, they were a newer generation. The older generation that had seen the parting of the Red Sea had died. The the younger generation, maybe some of them had been really little when it happened. When you think about the timeline, however, most of them had not. This was a younger generation, a brand new generation. They had never seen these these miracles of old other just than what had happened out in the desert. This was a new generation you know, being commissioned and, you know, it was a miracle of visible evidence that God was with Joshua as as he had been with Moses. And when you look at the parting of the Red Sea, it was, you know, symbolism of, of Jesus being in the grave and coming out of the grave. You know, in our our baptism, it represents coming out of that grave too. And the newer generation, when you think about it, it, they were being baptized and ordained to enter into God's land at that point. And so this was so huge. And then there, you know, he has this memorial set up, you know, with these stones that were from on the riverbed. To represent, you know, the to to remind them of what the Lord had done, that He had parted those waters so that the, at the at the Jordan, so they could walk across. And you know, when you if if a stone has been underneath water for so long, it's it's gone through a, a, a different process because of the water t- touching it, so. It was going to stand out to those that would walk by going, why are these not in the water? <laughs> why are they sitting out? And it's so that it'll gain their attention. And so we're coming into this. They're, 
the promise, the breakthrough is starting to come through. And it's just, you're seeing it just happen. One thing, you know, suddenly. And, and that was something the Lord really laid on my heart was that when he moves, it's, it's sudden. There's no delay. It's sudden. It just happens. And so it's just happening for them. And so that's what I wanted to talk about with Joshua. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll talk about the book of Luke. And we are back and we are in the parable um, and, and the book of Luke. It was a, a shortened reading in, in the book of Luke, but it's so, so impactful. Uh, you know, there's this parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, and this parable arises from a question of, you know, love your neighbor as yourself and this te- this person asks who is my neighbor that's what this parable is all about when i was taking one of my ministry classes and we were talking about parables how to understand parables i actually had to sit there and look at it was saint augustine he his definition of this parable and it wasn't even close it, it broke all the law of rules of how to interpret a parable. This parable is about who is my neighbor. And Jesus uses in this parable, he talks about, you know, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. So there's this man who goes, you know, he's, he's half dead. And the first person that comes across is a priest. And you would think a priest would stop on the side of the road to help somebody who was hurt. But he goes on the other side. And you think in those times, yes, because the this priest could not come in into defilement, essentially. Same too with this Levite. You know, a Levite. Who's ordained by God. Passes by this man. But the one that helps him. Is a Samaritan. And we talked about the Samaritans. Yesterday in, in this previous podcast. That. That. They were not. Looked well upon by the Jewish people. So he used. A person that. Was. Uh, an enemy. Essentially. To say that he showed mercy to this man. And. You know. It, it brings up the question. You know. Who is my neighbor? You know. And people when you hear the. Think of the word neighbor. You know. The first thing that you know would come to my mind. Is whoever lives next door to me. That's my neighbor. But that's not what Jesus meant. It's, you know, our neighbor includes our enemies. Our neighbor is whoever's in the grocery store. Our neighbor, you know, includes, you know, the president, those in 
legislation, those in government, our neighbor are as even our, our enemies who, you know, do not see eye to eye with us that we don't get along with. That's who our neighbor is. And it, it comes back around to what he was teaching about loving your enemy. And it just keeps going back to this, this um, post I saw on Facebook. It was pretty much how you, you know, react to people who mistreat you is a testimony, can be a testimony to, to the tomb really being empty. And so it just comes back to that, that, you know, think about the context of who your neighbor is and how to love them. And it's hard. You know, I think about, you know, a story of a, of a man who was a, he was an evangelist and in a, in a country, I'm not going to say what country, but where, where Christians are, are heavily persecuted and he went to jail. He went to a prison and this was not, you know, like our prisons here in America, our prisons here in America are considered penthouses. Um, it was one of, one of the bad prisons and he was getting beat up by this guy. And one day he was going to go kill himself because he's just like, I'm done. There's just no chance of me ever being free. Like he was just down and he ended up having a vision of Jesus that, and that radically changed him, that kept him from killing himself. You know, he was going to just drown himself in, in the sink that he had in his in his cell. And it kept him from killing himself. And so the next time that he came across the, the same guy who'd been beaten on him, he did something different. And he held out his hand and he says, well, I guess we're going to be you know, together for a very long time. So I just, you know, want to shake your hand and introduce myself and start on the right ground. And he's the man that was his enemy that had been beating on him, torturing him. He said he broke down and cried in front of him at that point. And it changed, you know, how he changed acting in front of his own enemies it changed them and he doesn't know what happened to them they he knows for sure that they probably know Jesus in, in their heart because they they've seen and and as Christians we can get especially here in America I you know we get very very defensive especially about our rights and sometimes the Lord you know, I just remember, you know, the Lord was just, he, he had somebody that, you know, I trust very well in, in our church. She had a vision and she had seen me at a table and this table was empty, but she heard the Lord saying, you know, I made a, a, a place for you in front of your enemy. And, 
you know, I had been struggling, you know, in my job, you know, to stay there because I was like, I, these people are my enemy and I wanted to leave, but the Lord was just telling me, no, you're staying and you're going to continue to be, you know, live out your faith in front of them. And, um, with this whole COVID-19, we had this option of, of staying home. And my husband's like, well, are you going to take, you know, take advantage of that? And I just had prayed about it. And like, the Lord was just saying, no, you're going to keep going over, you know, unless you have a meeting where you need to stay home and be able to hear the meeting. Okay. So I was like, no, I'm just going to keep going. And my husband was kind of like disappointed. It was like, well, what's going on? Well, then, you know, last week, you know, and I haven't really come out with it till now, but, um, last week, you know, I get this text message that, <laughs> you know, you never want to get. And really I told my husband, he could have worded it better. Um, but what had happened was, you know, it was a Wednesday and, um, yeah, this, in a, in a past podcast, I, I had talked about, you know, there, some, some things had arisen and some decisions were going to have to be made and it was a little scary. And what it was, was my husband, uh, a coworker got sent home because a close relative of theirs that they had had contact with had tested positive for coronavirus and they got sent home and how he worded the text was we had all been exposed and I said oh great but I I just started praying I didn't meddle with it I just asked are you guys closing the bank and he said no you know, public health didn't have any concern because really it wasn't that bad. They were like fifth on the level of exposure, which that percentile was low. But they had taken the precaution and sent her home for, for two weeks to quarantine. And that was all I got for guidance. I didn't know what to do, you know, and whether to inform my, my coworkers what to do. And so he came home and I finally made the decision. You know, I, I told my coworkers over a text and I said, well, they're not really concerned. And so do you still want me coming over? You know, it's, it's up to you, but I'm willing to, to stay away for two weeks and just work from home for two weeks. And my one coworker that, you know, sometimes we don't see eye to eye, you know, felt divided. They said, well, we're really not scared, but she takes care of her mother who's, you know, up there in age and doesn't live in a nursing home yet, but, you know, her daughter's taking care of her and she was concerned for her mother's safety. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll just take the precaution and stay home, you know, work from home for two weeks. 
And all of a sudden I get this text back and they said, thank you for, for being considerate. And then they sent me a text back saying, we're going to miss you. And I had started crying. My husband's like, what is your problem? You've been waiting for this all this time and now you're crying. And I was like, because I didn't think they liked me. <laughs> and I said, they said they were going to miss me. And he's just like, he kind of got quiet. And I just sat there and I said, this is what loving a neighbor is, is even when it's hard, it's still, you know, loving them, but, and being Christ-like before them. And so I think it spoke to my husband in a way as well. And, and, you know, yeah, it's been about a week, it's been over a week. I still have another week to go. I can't go back till uh, May 14th you know, physically, because that's when two weeks will be up. And, you know, and it's been kind of nice. It's like, yeah, I've gotten a lot of more work done than I usually do over there. But, and so, you know, there's that tornness of what do I do now <laughs> when I go back? So, you know, there's that. And But, you know, that's something how it is, you know, that even as Christians, it's loving the person that mistreats you and being Christ-like before them over and over and over. And so that's, that's the hugest thing about that I got. And that's just something that we need to live for. And yes, we do stand up for when things are wrong, but at the same time, we also have to be Christ-like and how we do it. And so that's what I wanted to talk about for today's episode. For the next episode, we're going to go through Joshua chapter f 5 through chapter 7. Um, so read those, those three chapters. And then we'll be discussing Psalm 47. So read verses 5 through 9. And then Proverbs chapter 9 verses 13 through 18. We're going to be discussing that. And then... Uh, we're going to be discussing Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through chapter 11, verse 28. So I'm going to end in a prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, Lord. And Lord, we just worship you today. Lord, help us to gain Christ-like attitudes, Lord. And Lord, in order to do that, Lord, we have to be in your word. And I just pray that you would put a hunger in our hearts. And that as we read your word, I just pray, God, that you would just bring revelation into our hearts. And we just thank you for all that you're doing and that you continue to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. Mm -hmm.